When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome on in, Eagles fans, to episode 67 of the No Huddle Show, our Philadelphia Eagles podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined as always by Elliot Shore Parks and Matt Lombardo. They cover the Eagles for NJ Advanced Media. They were out there in Philadelphia, the site of really what was the coolest uh, NFL draft experience I think the NFL's had since moving it out of New York um, and, and one everyone's been talking about all weekend. And they were there to cover, of course, the Eagles and their draft hall, starting with Derek Barnett in the first round. Elliot, we'll start with you. We'll go through all the picks. We'll go through the, the perception of, of this draft for the Eagles and uh, the risks they took in the second round, all that kind of stuff. Let's just start, though, first. Uh, how much did you get to experience the draft atmosphere compared to you know you guys working and doing your job there? Because everyone mm-hmm. seemed to rave about just how great of a job Philadelphia did putting this thing on. Yeah, well, I didn't get to experience it at all because my uh, my three days were spent inside the Novacare. Um, so Matt can probably t- talk a little bit better about that. But I will just say, I mean, from looking out on TV, it looked like a an awesome event. And I I lived down in that area, so I mean, I was you know it seemed like it went great. But Matt can probably talk a little bit more about that. Matt, what do yeah. you think of it? Yeah, guys, I thought the the big winner of the whole weekend, and everybody does this every year, which team won, which team lost, who had a great draft, who didn't. And I I have to say that I think the city of Philadelphia were the biggest winners of this entire draft weekend. It was a tremendous atmosphere. Everybody was fired up. You could tell on night one when the Cowboys were on the clock or when the Giants were on the clock because the booing was just relentless. It was a party when the Eagles were on the clock waiting for the selection. And I, I think that, you know, the NFL, after it moved the draft out of New York. They seem to have developed this mentality of wanting to move it around the country, but Chicago got two years before it came to Philadelphia, and judging by all of the feedback from media members, judging by all of the feedback and just the views that we saw on television, how great the city looked all weekend, and the fact that Chicago didn't just get one but two drafts, I think there's a good chance it comes back next year for one more season before moving it around. I think it's true. Well, the, Eagle, the Eagles definitely weren't the winner, so it's good Philly won something <laughs> over the uh, over the last few days. Well, that sets up that sets us up nicely, Elliot. I like the draft. I know a lot of people had some question marks about it. Let's start in the first. We'll get to the second round pick, which is probably the most polarizing thing they did. But the first round, the Eagles on the board there at number fourteen. The first ten picks probably go differently than a lot of people thought. I'm sure the Eagles. Played it out in their mind in a lot of different ways. But offense, offense, offense goes early. The Bears make the trade-up for Trubisky. The Chiefs hop in to get Mahomes, Watson off the board. So in some ways, things went the Eagles' way because quarterbacks went. In other ways, they didn't because Ross and Corey Davis and McCaffrey and all those playmakers go. So defense seemed to be the way to go at 14. They went with Derek Barnett. Some fans wanted Reuben Foster. 
Elliot, what was your immediate reaction to the pick? And then how has your thought process evolved a little bit here over the last couple of days? So my immediate reaction to the pick was I think it's an underwhelming pick. Um, I think Derek Barnett is a very good player. But for me, the biggest asset the Eagles had this offseason, whether it be cap space, any of that, was this number 14 overall pick. I mean, it's where you're supposed to get an elite player, a difference maker, and a guy that's going to really you know, be one of the best players on your team, and you, and you get him on that rookie deal for a while. So that was my expectation of what the Eagles should have gotten from that pick. Um, since then, I'll say after watching more and more of Derek Barnett, I, my opinion hasn't changed a ton. I think he's a very good player. I don't think his ceiling is very high, but I don't think his floor is very low either. I think he'll come in next year. He'll probably be better than what Connor Barwin gave the Eagles. Um, but I think he's Brandon Graham 2.0, maybe with maybe slightly, maybe slightly, slightly faster, but not considerably different i think they have the similar body type they have a similar game um after watching more of him at tennessee he has a quick first step off the line he definitely does and that showed in college but my concern is now in the nfl and i'm not saying every single offensive tackle is an elite player but they're going to be better athletes they're going to be bigger they're going to be faster and i didn't see very often in college Derek barnett win a snap and get pressure on a quarterback after the offensive lineman was able to engage him. Almost all the pressures I saw him get where he just simply ran by the guy. And, you know, against slower, uh, uh, bigger offensive tackles, he, he should be able to do that in the NFL. But my concern is if with 14 overall, I want a guy that has elite traits, that has, has a, has a skill set that even if he's facing the best offensive tackle in the league, he's still going to be able to get that pressure. And I don't see that in Derek Barnett. So th- those are my concerns uh, w- with the pick of Barnett. Matt, when you look at it, and it's interesting because right after the draft, Joe Douglas, right after the first round, I guess, made the comparison to Terrell Suggs. And, and the way Elliot described um, Derek Barnett, I remember a lot of those things about Terrell Suggs. And I guess that's why Joe Douglas saw a lot of those things. Like a guy that wasn't this crazy elite athlete, but always seemed to get to the quarterback. Now it's worked out great for the Ravens because Terrell Suggs has got a hundred something sacks and might go to the hall of fame. Not every guy like that has that kind of production in the NFL. What did you make of the pick Matt? And, and do you agree that it seemed like the Eagles, especially with Barnett, but like they didn't want a lot of projection here. They didn't care about the measurables. They just think Derek Barnett has a knack for getting to the quarterback, and that's what mattered to them here. Yeah, Joe, I look at this pick a little bit differently than Elliot does. I think that what the Eagles did was they built their board, as you said, with the best football players and the football players that they felt could step in and contribute right away. And Derek Barnett's going to do that. He's going to fight for immediate snaps. He's probably going to play two or three downs of any particular three-down set. And as Elliot pointed out from film study, and I watched this about a month ago when I was kind of looking around at prospects that could be on the Eagles' radar, he has that elite first step. He has tremendous bend. He has very good get off from the line of scrimmage. And, and I think that this was a selection of a guy that can step in, fight for a starting job, but arguably the most important position on Jim Schwartz's defense, which is the defensive line. And you think back to a year ago, it was Fletcher Cox who led the Eagles with sacks. He had six and a half. Brandon Graham had five and a half. I look at his ceiling as being probably closer to a Michael Bennett type, a Pro Bowl defensive lineman type than a Brandon Graham, even though they are similar body types. We'll see if he ever reaches that kind of potential. But I think as the board was shaping up, 
on Thursday night in round one, Joe Douglas and, and Howie Roseman must have been doing backflips, doing cartwheels through the room as they saw the run on receivers with Corey Davis and Mike Williams and John Ross. So the two of those guys going before they went on the clock. You look at the quarterbacks going early. It just seemed as though defensive end was a position that they had high and Barnett was a player they also had very highly. As we saw, they had him above Jonathan Allen, who a lot of fans and analysts believe would be a top 10 selection. They felt comfortable waiting to address the cornerback position in round two. And I think that Barnett, just from talking to people on Wednesday and Tuesday ahead of draft week, you kind of got the sense that Derek Barnett was a guy they were very interested in and was hoping that they, he would fall their way close to the number 14 spot. That's what wound up happening. Now, whether or not he ever winds up being a Pro Bowl caliber player or not, we're not going to know that for at least a year, maybe two or three. But I like the pick. I think it fills a need, and I think it is a tremendous help and a trickle-down effect for the entire defense. I just, I just don't see any elite qualities in Derek Barnett besides his quick first step. And I'm not saying that is something that should be looked over, but if you look at last year, Pro Football Focus had he he had the third most in terms of just getting pressures from the outside, which is basically just, you know, running by people around the edge. He was third. But when it came to bull rushing guys, he was 98th. When it came to getting pressure off of the inside, which is, you know, engaging and then spinning, then he was 32nd. I mean, I just, you know, I agree. Defensive end is an important position, but with a 14th overall pick, I think you could you could have gotten a better prospect than than Derek Barnett. I mean, there were better guys on the board. Jonathan Allen. Granted, we don't know the situation the situation with his shoulder, but the Redskins felt comfortable enough to take him two, two or three picks later. He's a better defensive line prospect than Derek Barnett. OJ Howard is a better. I uh, you know. I don't know if I would have taken him, but he's a better prospect than Derek Barnett. I just think the Eagles settled a little bit here and just took a guy that was safe in the way that I don't think he's going to be a bust because, you know, he does have high energy. He's decent against the run, all those things. But I don't know if I see an elite player in Derek Barnett. Well, I think you talk about that elite first step, and that that's one of the most important aspects of any defensive end is that first step, that first burst, the explosiveness. And we'll see. Is he going to be able to be dominant against some of the top left or right tackles in the game? That That's the big if. But, but obviously, as the Eagles built their board, they had him above – Marlon Humphrey. They had him above OJ Howard. They had him above Gary on Conley after the Conley uh, allegations came out clearly because they chose him over those guys. So I, I think that Barnett, and again, just from talking to people in the last couple of days before the draft, he was a guy that the Eagles were high on. Several teams were high on. And if the Eagles take Jonathan Allen, who's to say the Redskins don't wind up taking Derek Barnett. So I think that in the grand scheme of things, the Eagles came away with probably the number three rated defensive end in this class. And you think of Jim Schwartz's defense. Listen, we all know he doesn't blitz. We all know the Eagles corners gave up more yardage on the outside than any team in the NFL last season. So you need that pass rush help. He's a guy that steps in and should contribute in that that vein immediately. So, Elliot, you mentioned a little bit ago about, you know, the one thing he does well and then maybe he's not the, the greatest athlete in the world and worrying about him at the next level. You know, I look at the whole Eagles draft and we'll get to the second round pick in just a second here. But all right, so Barnett broke Reggie White's sack record, which is going to be talked about forever because, of course, it's Reggie White. Uh, Sidney Jones, who we will touch on, didn't allow a touchdown last year. Uh, the third round pick, Douglas, the corner out of West Virginia, had eight interceptions. Do you think this is the new way? Like, is this the is this Joe Douglas's? 
fingerprints that they're going to they're going to go after college production now rather than a really good athlete that they think is about to become a really good football player. Do you think that's that might be something that's going to be a theme for the Eagles moving forward in drafts? That's tough. And I mean, if it is, I don't know if it should be. I mean, again, not to harp on the word elite, but for me, I'm looking at when I'm looking at draft picks, I'm looking at elite characteristics, elite elite traits. So, you know, Donnell Pumphrey, a guy who sent, you know, all types of records at San Diego State. I don't know how he translates. You know, uh, Derek Barnett, I've already talked about. So if the Eagles are going to go the route of simply just doing production over potential. I mean, it's something Howie touched on. He said, look, when guys have success early on in their life, they tend to continue to have it. I, I mean, I'm guessing he did a study on that. I don't know how completely true that is, but that, that's what he said. So, I mean, in that vein, I mean, yeah, I guess it's not the worst thing in the world to, to draft a guy that had all those sacks in college, but there's been tons of players. I mean, Michael Sam a few years ago, I mean, wasn't he was one of the best defensive end in the SEC, had a tons of sack, he, uh, ton, tons of sacks. He was, you know, pick late and prove not to do much. There's been there's been a lot of guys that have put up numbers in college and haven't actually translated anything. So if this is the new Eagles motto, where they're going to do things, I'd be I would be nervous about it if I was a fan. But you know, I'm happy you mentioned Joe Douglas because when I think about this draft and I think about, you know, what do I think of the players? How do I think they did? If Joe Douglas isn't a part of this draft, I think I look at it a lot different. And I'm not saying Joe Douglas completely deserves the benefit of the doubt. But if, if Howie Roseman makes these picks, I think you can point to a lot of the buzz he's had and look at a lot of the reasons to be concerned about it. But one reason I am giving Derek Barnett the benefit of the doubt is maybe Joe Douglas is right. I think he deserves, at least at the beginning, some benefit of the doubt. He comes to the Eagles you know, well thought of around the league. So we'll see if he pulled it off. I'm just hesitant about some of the picks that they've made. Yeah, and I think that's fair. And I think that the more this plays out, if, if they – draft good football players and they play well here, uh, Douglas will get the benefit of that even more. All right, the one player, and it's, it's he's been the talk of Eagles fans, I think, for a couple days now, uh, that will probably be the pivot man in this draft, Matt, as we look forward. Because I think we all agree Barnett is going to be at least a, a pretty good player, if not a really good player. So they're going to get some production there out of the first round pick. But the second round pick, it feels boom or bust. Sidney Jones was a top 15-ish talent in this entire draft gets hurt with the Achilles injury in February. No one knew what would happen to him. He's sitting there at 43 when the Eagles are on the board. They take him. And it, it, look, if I told you in February, Matt, the Eagles would land Sidney Jones and Derek Barnett, I think you would have said, how did they pull that off? They did it. We know how they pulled it off. What did you think when the pick came in? And did you think they should have went in a different direction? Risk versus reward? What, what are your thoughts on Sidney Jones here? Yeah, Joe, I've written about this a couple of times. Prior to the injury, I had Sidney Jones as the number two cornerback behind Marshawn Lattimore, and the difference was fairly slight. I didn't think that Lattimore was leaps and bounds ahead of Sidney Jones. And you look at his game, he has elite ball skills, he has the the, the you know fluid hips that you look for in a cornerback that somebody like Jalen Mills doesn't necessarily have that we all saw in Nolan Carroll's game that he didn't have. And as you pointed out earlier in the podcast, didn't give up a touchdown last year. So Sidney Jones, when fully healthy, is an elite cornerback in this league. He has the potential to develop into that type of a player. But the great unknown here is the Achilles injury. And we've seen players come back from Achilles injuries, no problem. Steve Smith Sr. last year had the torn Achilles in 2015, bounces back, big production last year with the Baltimore Ravens and burnt the Eagles in that game uh, last December. So we've seen guys come back from that injury. But you're right. I don't know that it's necessarily boom or bust with Sidney Jones because 
he was a pretty good cornerback in college. If he comes back at 80 to 85%, I think you're still going to be satisfied with the pick. If he comes back 100%, then you're looking at the potential of adding two very good to great defensive players in the first two rounds. And if he doesn't, then obviously this is going to be looked at as a bad pick. But you look at what the Eagles needs. It was defensive end. It was cornerback on defense. I think you've addressed that need with Sidney Jones. We'll see how he recovers. But everybody thinking doom and gloom that he might not play for the year or he might not play the first six games. Well, this team isn't fighting for a Super Bowl this year anyway. And I think that they were in a position where while they needed an immediate contributor at corner, which they got in Rasul Douglas, they could kind of afford, based on the type of team they are and the type of team they're trying to build, that if Sidney Jones takes six, eight, even 16 weeks to get fully healthy, they could kind of take that wait-and-see approach with the risk versus reward, you know, yielding a potentially very good to elite player. So I really like the pick and it might be, it might be my favorite pick in the draft. I definitely like it more than the Derek Barnett pick. And the reason I like it more is because his ceiling is way higher. I mean, the Eagles top need in this draft, the Eagle, I think we can all agree that the needs in this draft, although Matt just said defensive end, which I disagree with, but um, cornerback running back and a speed receiver. So if you look at the draft in terms of those three needs, I mean, well, I, I just think, meant defensively on the defensive right, right, right. side of the ball. Well, so I think Sidney Jones has the highest ceiling of any player that they drafted. Obviously, the injury thing is a risk. And, um, you know, I'll credit Bleeding Green Nation here. I read an article on their site this morning, and it cited like the last 10 guys that have had a medical redshirt year in the NFL. Now, granted, none of them were drafted as high as uh, Sidney Jones, but none of them have panned out to do much. Uh, you look at Jalen Smith, you know, it's only been one year. We'll see how he goes. So clearly, there are some risks. There's clearly there's some risk here, but I like it. I think, you know, the Eagles situation, a cornerback was desperate enough where they needed to take some risks. Um, I actually like this pick more than the one of Rasul Douglas, who's going to play right away. So I think when when healthy and that's really all we can talk about him as his skill is he's great playing up at the line in man coverage. That's exactly what the Eagles do. Clearly, if he comes back and speed is, you know, his game wasn't so much predicated on speed, but it, it, it did benefit his game, obviously. I think if he comes back, he's a half second slower. That could be a problem. But I do think he's good enough in coverage, close to line of scrimmage, that you know, we'll, we'll, I, I don't think it'll be a huge problem. Um, and you know, if I were the Eagles, I would have traded up there and gotten my boy Dalvin Cook. I mean, he was only a few picks a- ahead. Uh, Jeff McClain's reported sense that if they would have just given up one of their fourth round picks, they could have done it. They could have had him on the roster. And then I think this draft looks a lot different because you're talking about an instant impact player in the second round and an instant impact player in the first round. Now, granted, I think Dalvin Cook's ceiling is higher, but you're still getting instant impact out of both players. So um, I would have done that. But now that they have Jones, I like the pick. um, And I think it's a risk worth worth taking. Let's go off that for a second, that report and that rumor that was out there about the Cook thing, because that was the most interesting thing as the board was shaking out, Matt, at 43 in the second round. Joe Mixon is still on the board, which there were there were some rumors and thoughts the Eagles could take Joe Mixon. Um, of course, Sidney Jones is on the board. The Eagles could have traded up maybe to go get Dalvin Cook. So the math there would have been instead of Sidney Jones and either Matt Collins or Donnell Pumphrey, which we'll get to the rest of this draft in a couple minutes, or Dalvin Cook. Do you think the Eagles did the right thing by keeping their pick and a fourth rounder and taking those you know, two players? Or are you with Elliot that if, if they could have traded up for Dalvin Cook, that that would have been the way to go? Oh, I think you needed to come out with that high-impact corner. 
And I think that when you look at Sidney Jones, yeah, there's the injury risk that Elliot and I bo- both spoke of here. But he has the chance to be an elite cornerback. You pair him with a potentially great to elite defensive end in Derek Barnett, and you've set your defense up for half a decade. So you still came away with Donnell Pumphrey, who I share the same concerns as Elliot does, that I don't quite know how his game translates offensively. I think he's a hybrid Darren Sproles, uh, Wendell Smallwood back, although I love his speed and his ability to get to the outside and catch the ball out of the backfield and does do all those things. The size is a little bit of a concern. So I'm okay with them standing pat and taking Sidney Jones, and maybe that's because I had Sidney Jones rated higher than some analysts did. But if they came away with Dalvin Cook, you wouldn't have heard any complaints or arguments from me in round two because you would have rounded out the offense, you know, with Carson Wentz and with some key offseason additions. But I think they're going to have a chance in next year's draft to potentially come away with a good running back and maybe even in free agency. So I think that when you look at what they were able to do, getting Sidney Jones weighs out a little bit higher for me than winding up with with Dalvin Cook. So as we go to the third round here, Elliot, Rasul Douglas, Matt just brought him up. I mean, the odds are just based on what they have, based on the fact that Sidney Jones, and we don't know when he's going to play. We don't know if it's a full medical red shirt. I mean, I, I've seen the things where his doctor says four to six months. It could be the short-term IR thing where he comes back in the middle of the season. We don't know. And we have to just kind of wait to see how his, his rehab goes. Rasul Douglas seems like he's going to be able to get on the field pretty quickly here. I mean, the Eagles needed a corner or two. So they have Jalen Mills and – I could foresee opening day in Washington, Jalen Mills and, and Rasul Douglas being the starting corners. Is, is that far-fetched, or do you think he could play that quickly? Well, if he plays that quickly, um, I mean, I, you know, I don't think it's going to be a situation where he comes in and – I mean, he could, but at cornerback, you're not going to have to play that great in training camp to get on the field quickly. I mean, they have an, an obvious need there just in terms of bodies. I mean, Jalen Mills, we're all you know, basically writing in pen as one of the starters – um, and then Patrick Robinson is probably another starter. Ron Brooks, maybe. So, I mean, you know, they do have some guys ahead of him on the depth chart, but they're going to want Rasul, Rasul Douglas to play. And this is one of the reasons I don't, I don't like to pick is I just think the fit here was not great. I mean, you know, Matt said you need an instant impact corner, and they do in the long run. That's why I like the Sidney Jones thing. But they also needed someone to play right now. And Rasul Douglas, to me, is not ready to come in and play on this defense. Um, at West Virginia, they played a ton of zone. So he was lining up eight, nine yards, you know, away from the receiver at at the line of scrimmage. And the reason he did that, um, or at least, you know, it fit the scheme, but also he does not have elite speed. He's not a a fast guy. So, you know, if he's at the line of scrimmage and he gets beat, he doesn't have the recovery speed to make up for it. Now, with the Eagles, they do play some zone, but they play the majority man. I mean, they line their cornerbacks right up on the line of scrimmage with those guys. They ask him to be physical. And if he's, I mean, maybe in two years, you know, a year, he's ready to do something like that. But I'm a little worried, if I'm the Eagles, about throwing him into the fire in a new defensive scheme where he's not that fast. He's, he's facing better NFL athletes. So I think, you know, this to me was if you're going to draft a guy in the third round, and I'm not saying they did it with this in mind, but if you, if you're going to add a cornerback that you want to help you this year, I don't, I'm not sure I see how Rasul Douglas does that. I, I think that the Rasul Douglas pick, Elliot and, and Joe, was kind of that insurance policy against Sidney Jones. It's somebody that can be on the field week one playing cornerback, and eventually you're going to have See, but I don't think he can be on the field week one. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, like, I, I think he beats out Robinson or, or Brooks. 
it, it's it's not like you're lining up in training camp with your starting cornerbacks being Asante Samuel in his prime and Darrell right. Davis in his prime and Patrick Peterson. So I think there's an opportunity for him to play. But ju- just when you look at the guys that went, let's say, towards the end of round three, James Conner, the running back out of Pitt, is probably the only guy that I would consider taking ahead of Rasul Douglas. You look at the guys who went in the first six or seven picks of round four, D.D. Westbrook is somebody – Skill set wise, talent wise, I'd consider, but those off the field concerns and those allegations and that legal trouble that he's in, I would have no interest in having him on my board. Samaji Perrine, the running back out of Oklahoma, he can make an argument you would like him over Rasul Douglas. But by that point in the draft where the Eagles were picking in round three, unless you're coming away, unless you're saying that you're going to take James Conner, I don't know that there's another player that I can set in stone and say, I want that guy and I would take that guy over Rasul Douglas. Well, I'll say, so two things. Um, first, I, was, I watched Rasul Douglas versus Oklahoma uh, this morning and Dede Westbrook dusted Rasul Douglas. So, you know, oh, there's there no are those... doubt he's a tremendous player. It's <laughs> yeah, he's a better, yeah, he's a better, he's a better player than Rasul Douglas in my mind, but I, I don't to, disagree. Not, yeah, not, not, not to sidetrack, but one theme I think here before we move on to the other picks is the Eagles clear, clearly uh, prioritized not just production but character over uh, potential players here. I mean, you know, Chip Kelly got ripped all the time because, you know, saying culture beats, you know, scheme or whatever it was. So, you know, the emphasis he put on good guys in the locker room and players said, and, and fans always said, you know, don't worry about that. Get the best guy. Get the best guy. Well, the Eagles passed on a lot of good players, better players than they drafted. Better prospects, at least. I mean, Reuben Foster, they, they could have had him at 14. He would have been a much better pick than Derek Barnett, in my mind. Dalvin Cook, you know, I, we just talked about that. I think he's a better prospect. He's not a better prospect than Sidney Jones, but because of the injury thing, you could have made an argument there. They passed on him. Um, and now I don't know if D.D. Westbrook was on their board or not. Joe Mixon was on their board, I mean, despite what Howie says. so right. D.D. Westbrook, the player I'm drafting, it's, it's twice arrested on domestic assault, the details of those charges – I, that that's why he's not on my board, but I, but I see the point you're making. They almost reverted back to the culture versus scheme argument that Chip Kelly had made, and and it's not. And the, you know, to me, this was funny. How he steps to the podium and he says, you know, there's a certain character level you have to have to play for this team. Well, you traded for Doriel Green Beckham last year. Nigel right. Bradham got arrested twice. Josh Huff got arrested. And yeah, you Jalen Mills. Jalen Mills had the incident he had. Wendell Smallwood. Alex McAllister. Right. right. Alex McAllister. Wendell Smallwood was accused of tampering, of, you know, basically threatening a witness in a case. So, you know, this whole idea that Howie, you know, steps to the podium and acts like the Eagles are this, you know, holy organization that don't take chances on guys. To me, it's, it's ridiculous. So, you know, they, they pass on Reuben Foster. And I just. I just thought that that to me that was a theme they tried to present, but I don't think a it was a good strategy, and b it was just very hypocritical of them to get up there, and especially after every you know, especially after Chip got ripped for doing all that. It's all circumstantial, right? Like if Dalvin Cook falls to them at forty three, they right. take Dalvin Cook, and they can't say those same things because Dalvin said red flags and off the field stuff. It, it just happened. To, like I'm with you guys. It happened to be this draft and the way they went, but I don't think it represents a theme of not yet, at least. I mean, they do, if they do this for five more drafts then okay, then, then they've become that again. But in, you know, we have to give it some more time and ultimately they have to draft good football players and they know that. And, and if they did in this draft, then, well, then the character thing will probably take on a bigger life than it even is right now. All right, let's move on to the, we could kind of put these three together and we could talk about them as a group and then individually as well. But so after they go defense, 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 they go Barnett, they go with the two corners, Sidney Jones and 
And then, of course, Razul Douglas with the first three picks. Three straight picks in the two in the fourth round and one in the fifth round. They go offense. They go playmakers. They go Matt Collins, wide receiver out of North Carolina. They go Donnell Pumphrey, the all-time rushing leader in college football from San Diego State. And then they go Shelton Gibson. Uh, and I think I saw the scouting report that you tweeted out and, and the piece you wrote, Elliot. Uh, flat out fast, the wide receiver mm-hmm. from West Virginia. Elliot, we'll start with you. We'll go to Matt. Your impressions of these three picks, I like them all in a, you know, in a vacuum because they're bringing in players that have a certain skill set, and I could see all three of them making an impact uh, and, and kind of changing the status quo of the receiver or the running back group right away. So, Elliot, Hollins, yeah. Pumphrey, and Gibson, what do you think of these kids? So when ranking the picks I liked from best to worst, I originally had – I ended up with Sidney Jones as my favorite pick, but I had Gibson up there because I think he represents a great – mixture of need and value you get him late you get him in the fifth round and he's a huge need I mean the Eagles did sign out on Jeffrey and Torrey Smith so their receivers are upgraded but they still don't have a deep threat on this team and for all the you know talks of the of the drops last year the biggest the biggest fault of this receiving group last year was the fact that they couldn't they couldn't stretch the field they didn't scare defenses down the field the field well Gibson he's not a complete receiver and you know if he went to certain teams you know you might not like the fit as much but for what the Eagles want, this is an elite prospect they got here in the fifth round. I mean, Pro Football Focus had him as the the third best uh, deep pass, uh, you know, like deep deep threat in the draft. He had 17 catches last year that were deep passes. He didn't drop a single one. Didn't fumble the ball in three years. So he's got good hands. Um, averaged 22.6 yards per catch during his time in West Virginia. I think he has a chance to come in and play. Maybe right away and maybe start week one opposite Alshon Jeffrey. I think he's going to be able to stretch the field better than Torrey Smith. Um, I really, really like the, uh, the pick of Gibson. Matt, we're, with these three picks, which one stands out to you right now? I'm with Elliot. And I wrote this yesterday morning on the site that if you had to pick one of these draft picks is going to have the biggest impact on the 2017 season, it's Sheldon Gibson. Elliot points to the speed. He has game breaking, break the cover off a defense type of speed. He also returned a kickoff for a touchdown in his uh, sophomore season at West Virginia. So he can step in and be a contributor as a kick returner. And eventually maybe you replace Darren Sproles with him in punt returns in the long term. I I don't know that he necessarily walks in and starts week one, but I can envision a package of plays, 15, 20, 25 snaps a game where he's on the field and he's running nine routes, how that translates against NFL corners versus the air raid offense at West Virginia. And, you know, the, the, the conference they're in that they don't really play a whole lot of defense, but, but I think that, you know, based on skill set. Gibson has the chance to be the most immediate contributor on this team. I also like the Pumphrey pick. I think that my biggest concern there is whether or not he has the size to withstand the physical beating in the NFL. But, you know, Joe, you talk about themes and you talk about the character over talent theme or you talk about this theme or that theme from the NFL draft. And I think with this class, this weekend was all about two things, value and production. We talked about the production with Jones. We, of course, talked about the production with Derek Barnett. But I think that the Donnell Pumphrey pick, all-time leading rusher in FBS history, there's a certain level of production there. You look at the production of Gibson, there's a certain level of production there. You look at value, getting Jones in round two. You look at the value of getting these guys in rounds three through five. And I think that the Eagles went into this thing pointing at those two factors to help build their board and separate prospects from one another. I I didn't I didn't like the the pick of Pumphrey and the reason was because the Eagles needed in my opinion 
a better running back than they got in Pumper out of this draft. They needed a guy that they could give it to 15, 20 times a game if needed because they don't have that on their roster currently. I don't think Wendell Smallwood's the answer there. Uh, Pumphrey, I mean, it's one thing to read about how small he is. I saw him at the Combine. He is like – he makes Cody Parkey, the Eagles kicker from a few years ago, look like an, like an elite NFL receiver athlete. Like he is tiny. Like very – it's not just – Darren Sproles is short, but Darren Sproles is, is thick and strong. Pumbrey is small. So I have legitimate concerns. I know he lasted at San Diego State, but now you're going to be facing – NFL athletes. So, you know, I have concerns about his ability to hold up. And I don't think he's at workhorse horse running back. I know a lot of fans have talked about, you know, the uh, undrafted free agent they signed, Corey, uh, Corey, Corey Clement, Clement. Out, of Wisconsin. Yeah, yep. out, of, out of Wisconsin. I like him, but, you know, you can't count him to be your number one back right off the bat. So I don't think the Eagles did a good job addressing their need at running back here, especially when, you know, Howie said this could be a potentially historic draft at running back. Well, all they got was Donnell Pumphrey, and I think that's you know a weak outcome for them considering all of the prospects in the draft. I, I tend to agree. I, I have the same exact concerns with Pumphrey as you do, Elliot. I'm a little bit higher on him because of his speed and his ability to you know run on the outside. And, and I I'm with you. You know, if I'm the GM, if I'm building this team, I'd want that 25, 30 carry a game type of a back, but. If this pick shows us anything, if the way they viewed the running back position both last year and this year when they come away with Wendell Smallwood in round five and Isaac Sayamalo in round three, given that they didn't have that fourth round pick, I don't know that the Eagles view themselves as needing one back to carry the ball 25, 30 times. If anything, this almost shows me that they want to have a stable of running backs, a group of running backs, and I would have rather had Alvin Kamara. I would have rather had Joe Mixon. I would have rather had any number of running backs in this class. Certainly Christian McCaffrey, who Joe and I both have talked about on previous podcasts, is somebody that we would have liked to have seen the Eagles come away with in round one. But I think that the last two drafts in picking Smallwood, or we can say settling for Smallwood, and picking Pumphrey, or we can say settling for, for Pumphrey, I, I think we've now seen a clearer view of how the Eagles look at the running back position, and they certainly don't seem to value it the way that a lot of people in the media reporters and maybe even some other teams do. Well, let's go to the other side of that, because I, I think you're right, man. I agree with you. And I, I think the thing that they're showing us, if I think about the last like you said, the last two drafts and then this offseason with free agency and even last summer with a trade. Like the only back that they've added this offseason, and, and all been, we've been talking about running back for the Eagles since the end of the season last year, they've only added Donnell Pumphrey. Meanwhile, they have signed Alshon Jeffrey. They signed Torrey Smith. They didn't trade away Jordan Matthews, even though there were some rumors there. Uh, Nelson Aguilar is still here. DGB is still here for now. They draft two wide receivers around Donnell Pumphrey. And, and I think... We haven't touched on Matt Collins yet, but it looks like because of his special team's ability that he's the kind of guy that would make a roster. You mentioned both of you think Shelton Gibson could play. Elliot, am I reading this the right way? The Eagles, with their quarterback they traded up for last year, Carson Wentz, they're going to throw the football a lot. Yeah, they are. But they also ran at 40% of the plays last year without a legitimate running back. So I think had they been able to land a Dalvin Cook or something like that, I do think that would have changed. But look. They gave up a lot to get Carson Wentz. They're paying Alshon Jeffrey a lot of money. This is a throwing league. Um, you know, by taking Barnett in the first round, they also acknowledge that by the fact that they have to be able to stop, you know, stop the other passer from being comfortable in the pocket. The Eagles are going to throw it a lot. And Carson Wentz is the best player on the Eagles roster. So he's a guy you want to have the ball in, in his hands the most. 
And it's going to be. I mean, he threw the ball 600 times as a rookie last year. Unless something changes, it feels like uh, he's going to have the ball a lot and throw it a lot this year. Because like you guys are saying, they don't have that kind of back right now that you rely on. All right, let's talk about the receivers just a little bit off of what they did. Uh, and then we'll get to the final two picks. So, Matt, as you look at the receiving depth chart right now, I mean, they added two guys. And uh, you both think Gibson could play and, and make an impact. Holland's play special teams, which usually gives a guy a leg up to make the team. They have a lot of wide receivers now and only so many spots that they could probably suit up on Sundays. Yeah, I think that when you look at the receiving depth chart, you're probably going to walk in, of course, with Torrey Smith and Alshon Jeffrey as your top two. I still think that Jordan Matthews, you know, given that he's still here outside of him being traded sometime during training camp when a wide receiver goes down across the league, he's your number three receiver. Your number four receiver, I think, would be an open competition between Sheldon Gibson and Nelson Aguilar. Number five is Mac Hollins. And I think that DGB is looking for for a gig come first or second cuts. I think that when you look at the Mac Hollins pick guys, and we touched on this a little bit, Elliot, down there watching the draft unfold at the Novacare complex, he's a guy that's going to make Dave Phipp very happy. He's a guy that can be a downfield blocker in the run game. And I think that he's somebody that is going to be active on game days. I think that as a special teams contributor, he's going to dress. And I think that they might have a package of plays where he's in there to kind of fill that run blocking wide receiver role. So if, if there's somebody that needs to be looking over their shoulder after this year's draft, guys, I think it's two players. I think it's Nelson Aguilar, and I think it's Doriel Green Beckham. Are you with that, Elliot? Is, is DGB's time over with yeah, the DGB Eagles? Yeah, DGB is gone, and I think that's the right decision for the Eagles. I don't know if Aguilar is so much looking over his shoulders just because of the financial ramifications. I mean, his playing time could be increased. Um, if you want to say Bryce Treggs is a risk, but I mean, I don't even, you know, he wasn't going to make the roster. So, but I do think he's been, he, you know, that Gibson, Gibson will replace him. But yeah, I mean, DGB came in last year. He was a bust almost in every way. Uh, didn't bring much in the red zone. Um, you know, I, I, I think that that proved to be a bad trade for Howie. I would be shocked if he made the roster this year. Yeah, I would be too. It feels like this thing that they've completely changed this wide receiver room in the matter of a couple months here. So the final two picks, and then we'll kind of touch on the, the big picture of where the Eagles are now and expectations and what this draft did. But final two picks here, Elliot, they grabbed the safety slash linebacker, the kid that played um, some safety at, at Nebraska, but seems like he played linebacker for the Eagles in Nathan Gary. And then Elijah Qualls, the defensive tackle out of Washington. And they're both interesting to me. I mean, Qualls, it seems like there's an avenue, even though he's the last pick they made, for him to get playing time because of the injury to Bo Allen and everyone seems to be excited when they watch highlights of the kid out of Nebraska. What'd you make of the final two picks? Yeah. Qualls is a pick that because of the Bo Allen injury, um, he could get on the field pretty quickly. I mean, he's a guy that uh, I think, um, you know, he was ranked a lot higher than the sixth round kind of fell there because of his size, but the Eagles don't need him to rush the passer. They're just going to need him to come in and help against the run. And he's 313 pounds, just over six feet. So he's a, he's a huge body to plug in there. Uh, Tim, Tim Jernigan is good against the run, but I think he's more of a pass rusher. So I could see uh, Qualls getting on the field in those certain situations. But if Bo Allen, it never gets hurt. I don't know if they make this pick, but I'll also say Bo Allen is a free agent after this upcoming offseason. So I think this is potentially Bo Allen's replacement both next season and for the future. Um, the pick of, of uh, Gary, I like that pick. Um, I think he's going to be a hybrid type player for them. He, the Eagles don't have a player like him on their roster right now. 
Um, I would, you know, he's really good up against the line of scrimmage. The reason he fell as far as he did, he was a very productive player in college. Um, I think he had 14 interceptions in, in a four year. So he, he was, you know, he was decent against the pass, but he doesn't have the type of speed to go from sideline to sideline in the NFL. So he wasn't going to make sense for the Eagles at safety, but at a linebacker, I could picture him, you know, being up at the line of scrimmage, blitzing. Um, he'll be able to cover tight ends. He's not fast enough to cover receivers, but you know, he should be able to cover tight ends. So I like this pick. Um, this was my third favorite pick that they made in the draft. Matt, when you look at these final two picks, Gary and and uh, Qualls, the defense tackle out of Washington, it, it's weird because usually you get to the end and you're like, ah, we'll see if they're ever going to make the team. Both these kids, especially the last one, like you could foresee an avenue where they're they're on the roster here. Yeah, Joe, I, I was tempted when I put together my story on Shelton Gibson as being the prospect to have the biggest impact in 2017. I, I was tempted to put Qualls in that role because, as Elliot pointed out, Bo Allen starting the season on the pup list with the pectoral injury that he suffered last month. This is a kid who's going to be replacing Bo Allen in the defensive line rotation in situations to stop the run. And I think that if we're looking at the biggest winners and biggest losers from this draft, draft weekend for the Eagles, Bo Allen has to be one of the bigger losers because he's a guy that prior to even suffering his injury, he was in contract extension talks. He was in the conversation to sign a long-term deal with the Eagles before they traded for Tim Jernigan with the Ravens. Obviously, no deal was struck. And I think the Eagles went into this draft and they came away with a replacement for Bo Allen. I do think that Qualls will step on the field right away. I like him against the run. And I think that they found a pretty good football player here. And if they can develop him, if they can get him into a a weight room and continue to boost his frame and get him in this system, I could almost foresee a scenario where if the Eagles are unable to re-sign Tim Jernigan, if they're unable to bring him back after this year and they wind up using the franchise tag on Alshon Jeffrey because they can't come to terms on a long-term agreement with him, guys, I don't think it's stretched to say that in 2018, there's a possibility that Qualls and Fletcher Cox are your two starting defensive tackles. Well, if it happens, that means they hit a six-round pick out of the park. I mean, it could be some circumstance, like you said, with the contracts, but it means the kid could play. And if they start him, uh, I mean, this draft would look even better than maybe some people think it does now. All right, let's, let's push this thing forward now. So the Eagles draft is over. We know what they did. We know what they did in free agency. For all intents and purposes, outside of maybe one little surprise move here or there, I know there's been some talk of maybe resurfacing those Jamal Charles rumors to come in and play running. But outside of something like that, the Eagles offseason is pretty much done. I don't think I would be kind of surprised if, you know, Kelsey's not here now because he made it to the draft. Jordan Matthews, too. It feels like this is the team for the most part, Elliot. Did they do enough this offseason? And what did you think of how they put this thing together when you add free agency now to the draft mm-hmm. well they're better at receiver um i don't know if they're better long term um so you know because of the one-year deal with alshon and because tory smith isn't really a long-term solution i like shelton gibson but if you're you know saying your best receiver in the long term is him in terms of your best options that's kind of not great because he's a fifth round pick um, they didn't really get a long-term solution at running back. Uh, the fact they even hinted at bringing Ryan Matthews back is has to be incredibly disturbing if you're an Eagles fan to hear. I mean, you can't bring him back as your number one running back. Um, I do think they're better along the defensive line, so I think they've improved there. The cornerback situation is still a mess. The Sidney Jones thing, I like it. It's a bit of a wild card, but um, you know, cornerback, they were really bad last year, so it's hard to say they're worse, but I don't think they're considerably better. Um, 
Safety position, they're the same. Offensive line, I think they're probably the same. So, or maybe maybe a little better, depending what they do with Jason Kelsey. But so I think when you look at the Eagles, I think they were going to improve next year, just because I think Wentz will be better. Um, when I did my first, you know, sixteen game prediction, I, ha- I had him at nine and seven. The draft didn't move anything to me for that. Um, but yeah, I think you know they're an eight and eight, nine and seven team. And if you know, we all kind of agreed that the three needs were. Stud receiver for Carson Wentz in the long term, a running back and a cornerback. I think their goal of meeting those three needs were, you know, pretty underwhelming. Matt, how do you look at it when you add it all together, the offseason as a whole? Free agency draft, did they do enough? Did they check off all the boxes or are they still incomplete here? Uh, I graded the draft an A minus. I think I graded the overall offseason somewhere around a B. Like Elliot said, you didn't necessarily find long-term solutions at wide receiver, but let's not forget here that they have the option to use the franchise tag on Alshon Jeffrey after this year if they're unable to sign a long-term deal, which I'm not ruling out. You look at defensive line, they're better with Jernigan in the short term. They added depth with, with Qualls. They added a quality pass rusher in Derek Barnett, and they brought in you know Chris Long as a short-term Band-Aid, so I think they're better there. Cornerback, it comes down to Sidney Jones. It really does because I don't look at Patrick Robinson and Ron Brooks as being anything approaching even or definitely not better than what you walked into last year with with Nolan Carroll and Leotis McKelvin as your two starters. And Jalen Mills needs to take a step forward this year for them to be all that improved there. So I I think that they got better. I think this weekend during the draft, they added talent. They addressed needs. Now we just have to see how many of these kids pan out. Let's wrap with this, because I, I heard Todd McShay when they took Sidney Jones, to go back to that, because I think Barnett's the first-round pick. We'll talk about him for years because of that. But the Sidney Jones pick will kind of it, – it'll make this draft look one way or the other. If Sidney Jones becomes the player he's supposed to be, they're probably going to have a favorable look back on this draft. If he doesn't or the injury lingers, we might say, ah, oh, they wasted a second-round pick. And not, maybe not this- to, hold on, sorry. Not to completely interrupt or disagree with you, but, I mean, I think – you might be putting a little too much pressure on the Sidney Jones thing. I agree it'll dictate the outcome of the draft, but the Derek Barnett pick was their first pick. It was the top 15 pick. They had to get, they have to get a playmaker out of that pick. If Derek Barnett turns into a lesser version of Brandon Graham, you know, obviously Sidney Jones helps, but to me, you know, the Barnett's going to have a huge outcome on this draft as well. So I just wanted to throw that out there. You know, he is. And do you think that's, what what's the line of demarcation before we end this? Is it is it Brandon Graham too? Like if he's Brandon Graham too, the Brandon Graham we saw last year and the guy that's kind of evolving into being a really good player is that good enough, or does he have to be better than that to you, Elliot? No, I don't think that's good enough. Is he if he's what Brandon Graham gave you last year? He's a very good player. Um, he probably you know maybe is considered a little underrated, but you know I want a guy that at top fifteen pick defensive end. I want a guy the teams are going to double team. I want a guy that other teams are going to be afraid of going into that week. And as good as I think Brandon Graham is, and I value you know hurries a lot more than our formal po- former podcast mate Mark Eckel, but he still only had five and a half sacks. So you know I know Graham's dealt with some injuries, but if six years into his career we're talking about Barnett and he has similar production to Brandon Graham, then I think this was not a good a not a good pick at fourteen. I, I think that I think that when you look at this, they're going to make each other better. 
because last year you had Brandon Graham finish with five and a half sacks, get a boatload of hurries with, with little to no help at the other defensive end spot. And you had in Benny Logan playing next to him. You had a guy who was much better against the run versus against the pass. Now you have Tim Jernigan playing alongside Derek Barnett. You have Brandon Graham on the other side, and it's not going to be as easy to double team either one of them. They're going to help one another. The a gap pressure from Jernigan is going to free up some pressure off the edge so if we're if we're just making player to player comparisons I agree with Elliot that Barnett needs to be better than what Brandon Graham was a year ago I think he will be but but if he doesn't in his career approach somebody like a Michael Bennett and that level of competition or maybe even a Jason Pierre Paul in his prime then I think the Eagles got this one wrong but I think they have a chance to to have him develop into that type of player with that type of ceiling so, so we, we we can we can all agree that Connor Barn wasn't that good last year, right? Yes. Nor so Vinnie Curry. Brandy Graham had only half more sack than Connor Barwin did. Connor Barwin had five sacks. So, but, but Brandon Graham got more consistent. I, I don't disagree. I'm just saying that I think sometimes Brandon Graham has talked about he was very good, but like Connor, I mean, he only had five and a half sacks, and Barwin still had five. So you think it's part of it's because he's the of all the guys we were watching, he was the only one getting close to the quarterback, so we overrate him a little bit. And, and I mean, he's good against a run. He's a good hustle player. I, this is not knocking Brandon Graham. I'm just saying, like Brandon Graham is not a game changing defensive player, in my opinion. And that that's what the Eagles needed. That's what you get at, at any position you pick, whether it's offensive tackle, tight end receiver. You pick a guy in the top fifteen. You need that guy to turn into right. Maybe but but if you have, if you have two of those guys, it's going to make your defensive line better, and yeah, they're going they're, to complement yeah. each other. And and Brandon Graham didn't have that a year ago. So I think the pick of Barnett is going to make Graham better, and I think that Graham continuing to develop is going to aid in the development of Barnett. Right, they're they're two separate things. I I think that's fair, right? Like Barnett will make the Eagles' defense better, but in a vacuum, how good will Barnett be? That's why I'm sure. I kind of feel bad for Barnett in a way because when Joe Douglas throws that Terrell Suggs comparison out there, like I get it, I understand what he's thinking and the physicality and the speed and the combine nonsense, but like Terrell Suggs might go to the Hall of Fame. Like that's a big comparison. Terrell Suggs comparison is only being compared because a they both had bad combines. Yep. And B, Joe Douglas was involved in both of them to a certain degree. But do you agree, Elliot, that that name is out there? Like, so in three years, if, yeah. if Derek Barnett only has 10 career sacks, people are going to call the radio or, or tweet at you and be like, he was supposed to be Terrell Suggs. Right. I mean, I, but I guess I agree. I 100% agree that that's going to be the narrative. And but I'm just saying I think that's unfair. I agree with that. All right, so let's wrap with this. So during the draft Friday night, I know you guys were both busy either there or uh, at the NovaCare Complex. When the Eagles made their pick of Sidney Jones, Todd McShay on ESPN mentioned that he his takeaway from that pick beyond the player was that the Eagles are showing patience and they're building it right. And they're not like no one in that building. And he mentioned Douglas. He mentioned Andy Wydell. He mentioned uh, Doug Peterson as the head coach. Like no one over there and Howie is afraid of losing their job. Like they have – they're being given time to build this thing because they might have to medical redshirt their second round pick. Do you agree with that, Elliot? Do you think this is another year where they're going to let this foundation settle and, and no one is in danger, you know, barring they go own 16 or something silly, right. but like that, that's kind of a long range view that the Eagles are taking here. Yeah, I agree. Um, I will, the only thing I might slightly disagree with is Carson Wentz is directly tied to Doug's job. So if next year, Carson Wentz is, you know, let's say the Eagles do go. I think Howie could survive a five and eleven year. I think Howie could survive a lot, and and by, and by extension, I think Joe Douglas will. But 
Um, I think if the next year Carson Wentz looks worse than he did last year and he takes noticeable steps back, then I think Doug's got Doug's job could be in trouble because his job, his sole job is to make sure Carson Wentz turns out to be good. Right. So he can almost be separate. than Right. And, I, and yeah, and I don't think that's tied to the Sidney Jones pick, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. Matt, do you feel that way, to the, the way McShay did with the patience and the kind of the mandate is take your time to build this thing? You think that's the way they're doing it? See, I go back and forth because I don't think you can build a championship contending team in a microwave. I don't think that you can go from where the Eagles were last year as a seven and nine team and and not take a measured and and slow build approach to do it right, which I think on one hand the Eagles are doing. But I also think that based on going out into free agency and signing short-term deals with Torrey Smith and Alshon Jeffrey, not to mention it's become fairly obvious that Jeffrey Lurie is more hands-on than he's ever been, that there is a bit of not necessarily impatience, but a little bit more aggressiveness than we've seen in the past. So whether you want to say that it's because they're taking their time and nobody should fear for their job, or you just want to say that they're trying to to not you know, push any sort of, you know, panic button and build too quickly. I think that what they did this weekend is they added talent, they filled needs, and and we're not going to know how well they've done or to be able to draw any sweeping conclusions probably for two to three years. But the bottom line is they went into this draft that appears about valuing production, valuing value on the board and filling needs with that strategy. Well, we'll see if it works. So the Eagles got a defensive end. They got some receivers. They got a couple corners. We'll see um, if Sidney Jones plays and how this thing plays out. But uh, overall, let, let's we'll wrap with this. And I know you guys probably wrote this on NJ.com, but for our listeners, what grade did you give this draft, Elliot? I gave it a C plus because I think the first pick was underwhelming. The second pick, I like it, but it's a risk. And then the third pick, I don't think is really is a is a system fit or at least not going to be initially and when you look at the history of at least the eagles drafts and especially howie roseman he does not do a good job of finding good players in rounds four through seven i mean when you talk about finding steals and guys that contribute i mean i think the best one i could find how he's ever gotten was riley cooper and you know i think cooper had a decent nfl career but you know i don't think if you look at the guys that we just talked about, who knows? Maybe this year will be the one they find them. But in the majority of the time, the instant impact, the good players you're going to get from the draft, especially the Eagles draft, are the first three picks. And I like the first three picks, but I don't really – I don't love the pick of Barnett. I don't like the pick of Douglas, and I really like the pick of uh, Jones. So I think a, a C-plus – uh, maybe B minus, but I would lean probably more towards a C. But so I would say C plus is the grade I would give it. Our round average from Elliot, Matt. We wrap with you your grade for the 2017 Eagles draft. I graded a little bit differently than Elliot did, Joe. I gave it an A minus, and the reason is I'm higher on the Barnett pick than than Elliot seems to be. I like Sidney Jones a lot more than a lot of other people do. And if you had asked me on draft day morning. If you told me the Eagles would come away in whatever order, a defensive end whose potential is to start and contribute it immediately, and two cornerbacks, one of which is Sidney Jones and one of which is somebody who's going to commit immediately, I'd say that you know they knocked it out of the park. Now, whether or not Rasul Douglas lives up to you know what some people project him to be, whether he fights for a starting job, who knows? Whatever they get from the middle round wide receivers has yet to be seen, but I just think that the fact that they didn't seem to reach on any of these picks, that they seem to follow the value board and they came away with potentially two top 15 talents, 
I'm not sure outside of adding a Dalvin Cook or a Joe Mixon what they could have done differently or better. So I, I give it an A minus, but we'll see how it shakes out. We will. And look, if Derek Barnett comes in and plays well right away, uh, that, like you were saying, Ali, that will change the perception because that's the first round pick. Guys, this was fun. It was a crazy weekend. Get some sleep after uh, all the work you guys did. We'll read everything at NJ.com. Elliot, as always, thanks for doing this, and we'll be back soon with another episode. Yep, talk to you guys soon. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, guys. And thanks to all of you for listening to the No Huddle Show, our Philadelphia Eagles podcast, which is right here on NJ.com. <laughs>